Hello, Purse Strings listeners. Thank you for listening to WebmasterRadio.fm's most decorated radio series. Discover the Purse Strings listening experience in a new way. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to new episodes live every week or download any of the over 200 past episodes of Purse Strings or sample from our extensive library of radio shows that every internet marketer should check out without opening up your purse. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. Webmaster Radio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You're going to learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, some information I was reading from the Futures Company. David Bursoff had an article uh, just this week on how people are dealing with the economy. And I talk about this a lot because, of course, it affects everything related to marketing, especially marketing to women. Well, according to Bursoff, he's saying that those um, living with high economic anxiety have a far different outlook on their overall well-being and future, and it's fundamentally different than those who perhaps haven't suffered as much. Now, I know that sounds pretty, you know, no-duh, but what's interesting are the implications. According to their study, just 39% of economically anxious consumers are highly satisfied with their personal well-being. 43% of them say that their well-being is largely under their control. And 46% of them say that, you know what, I'm disappointed by products I purchased. I thought they would improve some aspect of my well-being. So as you can see, overall, um, disappointment, fairly low levels of, of being satisfied. Well, well-being, as we all know, covers more than just financial well-being. It's pretty much everything, everything from family and relationships impacting our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual health, and our sense of purpose and accomplishment in life. And as, as David Berghoff says, in some ways, well-being is the ultimate purchasing motivation because if we're feeling good, we're going to feel good about going out and purchasing something. It also sets our expectations a little higher about those products and services if we're feeling good. So as a result, Berghoff is suggesting that we consider segmenting um, our, our target, that target demographic that we want to speak to, by their level of economic anxiety. And that's the implication I'm talking about that I found pretty fascinating. He went on to say that when speaking to lower well-being consumers, address the barrier that continues to undermine their quest to feel better about their key areas in their lives. In other words, just acknowledge it and and then provide the benefit. Um, Now, therefore, those who have a little bit higher level of well-being, we know they're critical about their products and services, 
those with lower levels of well-being are cynical. And so we really need to understand that they're looking at, at us through a cynical worldview and, and be able to, to kind of massage our messages to address that end user. So anyway, pretty fascinating stuff. You might want to take a look at your key messages through the economic anxiety lens. Well, our post profile today is the Nicole Miller Network Networker. This is a woman in her late 40s to 50s, self-employed, um, owns a small to mid-sized business, working full-time, making more than 60000 and has kids in either high school or college, so a little bit um, older children. There's 1.6 million of these women out there, median age of 45. They are influenced by fashion. They like to stand out in the crowd. They consider themselves ambitious and motivated. In fact, they call themselves an alcoholic, wanting to get to the top of their career. And it's important that their family thinks that they're doing well. And they're very tenacious. They say, if you first, you don't succeed, keep trying. They do want to live in the moment, take advantage of life, and they value quality things. They, they even say it's worth paying a little bit more for quality goods even in this day and age. And they're open to trying new things, and that includes new styles, new products, new stores. So where are they shopping? They're shopping at all kinds of places, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom's, Williams-Sonoma are among the top places that they go. They're driving Cadillac, Toyota, Balbo. Um, they are wearing Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein and Chanel. And you can intersect with them uh, in magazines and on websites and on cable. They are reading uh, Entrepreneur, Better Homes and Garden, First for Women, People Magazine, Arc Digest even. Uh, they're on cable at We and Food Network, HBO, HGTV, and Discovery Channel, and they're online, uh, getting a lot of information on MSN and Amazon, Travelocity, and iVillage. Well, my guest for today um, knows a lot about career development and, and basically anything facing um, your company. Joy Hazuka is a Senior VP of Leadership Research at PDI Ninth House. PDI Ninth House is a global leadership solutions firm that addresses all kinds of business challenges by really tailoring your business and leadership solutions that integrate with um, assessment, skill development, and coaching. Um, they're there to help you um, really identify those critical leadership challenges, gaps, needs, and holes so that you can go on and achieve organizational success. So I'm sure she's talking to the Nicole Miller networker out there among us, among others. So more from Joy when Purse Rings returns after the break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Her strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. SES Chicago 2012 returns to the Hyatt Regency in Chicago, November 12th to the 16th. Experience three days of breakout sessions, meet the expert roundtables, workshops, on-site training from the Click Z Academy, and more. Join us for SES Chicago 2012, November 12th to the 16th. Log on to SESConference.com and register today. That's SESConference.com. 
Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Start your search engine and put your servers into overdrive. It's WebmasterRadio.fm steering you into the winner's circle. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back. Today, I welcome Joy Hazuka. She's the Senior VP of Leadership Research at PDI Ninth House which is a global leadership solutions operation. In fact, they're the only global leadership solutions firm that addresses the business challenge of really tailoring leadership solutions that integrate assessment, skill development, and coaching, really able to help their clients um, handle critical leadership challenges, the gaps, the needs, the holes that really might keep you back from achieving organizational success. And I had the pleasure of hearing Joy address um, a group of women just this past week here at my agency, Carmichael Lynch Long, as part of um, a Minneapolis-based Women's Leadership Network. And it was a pleasure to, to see you then, Joy, and really exciting to have you on the program. Well, thank you, Maria. It's great to be here. Well, before we dive into the questions around a study that I know you recently fielded, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind telling everyone out there about what you do there at PDI Ninth House. Yes. So as you mentioned, we uh, work with a lot of leaders, uh, defining what's important, given the organization strategy, then measuring their current attributes and helping them to develop the skills they need for the future. And so my role is I get to collect the data from those thousands and thousands of people that we work with every year to be able to look at overall trends, um, overall differences, so that we can learn more about what leadership is, what, what's effective leadership, and how leaders can develop. Well, and I know you were here, as I said, just sharing the results of a study that you recently conducted around professional competencies. And what was interesting about that is you were really looking at the differences between men and women. What were some of the big ahas that came from that study, Joy? Yes. So the study looked at competencies, but also motivators and experiences. And we were looking at differences between men and women, and also along the organization level. So from mid-level leaders up to senior executives to see how that might change as people went up the ladder. Um, So, and let me just note as well that um, we did find some gender differences, but it's always important to keep in mind that, um, the differences between men and women are relatively small compared to the range within each gender. So there is no typical woman, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just no typical man. But these are just kind of trends. So each person's different as well. So let me just start with things that were not surprising. Uh, so the first thing is as you go up the ladder, there are fewer and fewer women. So at the mid-level leader, 28% of the leaders are women. If you get to senior executive, only 17%. And you compare that to 46% of all employees. So that's not surprising, but it's just interesting to see that on paper. Um, the second thing that was not surprising is that women were stronger on the people competencies. 
so then you asked about ahas. So I would point out a couple things that, that once we thought about them weren't surprising, but just gave a little bit more insight. Um, so one was, is in motivators. So women's motivators are slightly different. So what we find is that most leaders that we work with value stimulating, challenging work. Um, you know, they're energized by that. They really like what they do. But um, women are more likely to choose a sense of personal accomplishment and a friendly workplace over responsibility for others in a unit. So um, higher levels of responsibility require giving up some of that autonomy and some of that relationship focus um, to be able to have broader scope of control. So that's a choice that people need to make. Um, and to the extent that someone decides that they prefer a sense of personal accomplishment and friendly workplace over the responsibility, they'll go that direction versus the others. So that's one thing for people to think about is just the motivator, uh, motivation aspect. And then um, on the experiences side, um, we found that there are three types of experiences that are key at higher levels. One is dealing with challenging and difficult situations. The second one is operational experiences. And a third one is high visibility experiences. And what we find is that women do get plenty of challenging and difficult situations, change management, influencing others without authority or with authority. You know, they have to deal with a lot of those kinds of things, but they do tend to get less experience in the other two, operational experiences, high visibility experiences, and those are needed to get ahead as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about women being motivated a little bit by relationships. And I know that this kind of plays into my next question. I know I've talked a lot about various pieces of research that have crossed my desk about women being more collaborative, which I know in this day and age is often seen as a soft skill. But with the world shrinking and countries even needing to collaborate to be successful, much less businesses needing to collaborate, do you see the collaboration skill becoming more valued in the ranks of business? Um, so I do think it's more necessary. Uh, so as the world gets smaller and more interconnected, and also as we connect, since we work more, more virtually, we're able to work with different people different places. So we're connected and work with more people than we used to before. So, that, so collaboration is important for that. Um, I think the question about whether it's valued or not is another interesting one, and I can't really... Um, that's harder to answer whether it's valued, but it certainly is important and it certainly is a skill that helps people to be more successful in, in getting the job done if they can cross those boundaries, understand what the different points of view are and bring them together. Yeah. Well, and you talked, though, um, before about the three things that tend to um, really be skills that are important in being especially that executive female, uh, one being, of course, visibility, and that may be kind of where we are challenged a bit in that we don't always have visibility to what we're actually accomplishing. I'm curious, how then can women ensure that they're getting to the top ranks if they really want to get there? And I'm sure visibility has a lot to, to do with that. Yes, yeah. So um, visibility, uh, a lot of women in particular are uncomfortable tooting their own horn. You know, if they're trying to be, they're skilled in collaboration and teamwork, and it's not just me, it's, it was the team. But in order to, to get ahead, it's important to have some visibility. And so one of the things is to make sure that other people know what you're doing. And, you know, for me, it started with, oh, I, I need to make sure my boss knows what I'm doing, even though he, he trusts me and assumes I'm doing good work. If, if I can keep 
him and then others informed about, okay, here are the things that are happening. That's one step. Um, uh, I think an important thing to though first is to consider what do you want in your career? You know, what are your goals? Um, so it's, e- it's easy to just kind of follow a path naturally or, or make some assumptions. Um, so that, I think that's one thing is to, is to make that choice. Do I want to advance? Do I want to do something else right now? And that if they do want to advance, then I would say first recognize and build on the skills that you have. Um, secondly, you know, explore different different career directions. Maybe there are some that you haven't considered um, because you thought you couldn't do it or because the person who's doing it now is someone that's not like you or, or whatever. Um, so find out about the different career options and what would be required for that. Um, if you do, again, want to advance, uh, finance and strategy skills are important as well as the experiences we talked about before. So those would be things to, to consider. Um, Third, I would say decide what trade-offs you're willing to make because there always are trade-offs for everyone. And then finally, I would say be willing to stretch outside your comfort zone. Maybe try and learn some new things that are not naturally attractive to you or that you're not naturally good at, but you can you know, at least expose yourself to that and see, could I learn this and um, could I get comfortable with it and maybe it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are really great suggestions to Joy for things that people can realistically attempt to do, especially if they want to advance. And and I know a lot of women who have gone and, and tried to do many of those same things, but those are all things that we can control. And I think oftentimes there's there's aspects, of course, that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of discussion on this show in general about why more women are not advancing to the C-suite, why we're not on more boards. And some of the, the some of the same reasons keep coming up, and I'm just curious your thoughts on it. One is that companies were created decades ago and structured to accommodate the nuclear family, the traditional nuclear family. You know, the man that went to work and the women who stayed home, and that today that that family structure is a minority, as we all know, and female head of household is one of the fastest growing demographics. So I'm just curious, you know, what are suggestions to companies about what they can do to adapt their corporate structure or maybe to realign their values so that they can make it possible for women to see that advancement is possible? Because I think so many women today are looking at their reality based on the current construct of their corporation, and they see that you know, there's no wiggle room in work-life balance. They have to work on site for 12 hours a day. They can't leave and pick up their kids. And so they don't even actually see themselves fitting in for advancement. So I'm just curious what your take is on that. Yeah, yeah, great question. So I would say that successful organizations are the ones who really adapt in response to both customers and employees and um, and a lot of people have, and a lot of organizations have, and a lot of organizations some haven't, and some for some it's harder for them to adapt. So probably if you're on the on the floor on in stock exchange, you have to be there, you know, during the hours that they're open, and and that's it. Um, I, a lot of things. One thing that's helped a lot is um, both technology advances and the crunch on travel budgets have really reduced the amount of travel in the last five five, ten years. Um, and, and that's created more flexibility in schedules and less 
need for travel, and so that creates more options for everyone and also enables all of us to, to get more done versus spending more time on, on the road. Um, and the more organizations who successfully capitalize on that and say you can do telecommuting certain days per week or um, you know, use, making, taking advantage of the technology options, that really helps. Um, there are organizations also that uh, allow some flexibility in terms of amount of work, so people can cut down to to part-time and then go back to full-time, and, and they're still seen as valued employees doing that, so that's something that really helps as, as well. Um, in terms of values, I think there's a, a tone that can be set at the top about, you know, the importance of, of family and priorities outside of work. So even though the very top people in the organization do have to be on point 24-7 because that, that's their role, they can still do some things to reinforce the fact that we do recognize that you have a life and that, um, you know, and that everyone brings that, that to work and it's not just um, this isn't the only thing you do in your life. Yeah. I I am curious in general, you know, I think those are some great, great suggestions for companies that want to retain smart women. But I am curious, what do you think is keeping women out of boardrooms and out of C-suites? And is it because of the way companies are organized and women feel limited? Or do you think there is something bigger at play here? And what do you think the implications are on overall business as a result of women not being in great numbers at the highest of levels? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's start with the impact on the business. Um, so there was a, a study that done by McKinsey that came out in April this year that looked at the impact of diversity, and that would be cultural, both cultural and gender diversity at the, in boardrooms on financial outcomes. Um, and they found that uh, return, on, return on equity averaged 53% higher for companies that were higher in diversity than in the bottom ones. And the same thing was true for, um, for profits which averaged 14% higher. So I think that's really the place to start is what's, what's the, the business need. Um, you know, how is to show that, that if you have diversity of thought and diversity of perspective, that that really helps um, to, to have better business results. A lot of organizations that I work with as well say we want our leadership to, to reflect more of what our customer base looks like. And so that's and that's what your show is about too, is about purse strings. So to the extent that that women are making the decisions and, and purchasing decisions, then then our leadership, to the extent that they have that perspective in there, that's going to be a better approach. So that's that's I think that's the business need and the business uh, uh you know rationale for that. As far as what's keeping women out, um I think there's a number of things. Um one that I see a fair amount is that there are some uh, some assumptions and biases at play. So sometimes um, uh, uh, the leadership who's discussing, you know, who should we offer, who could we offer this opportunity to, might say, oh well, she wouldn't want to move or travel because she has these other priorities. Um, and so then there's not a discussion that occurs about, well, w- would you be interested in this? And and so that it's just not discussed, and so she gets overlooked. So that's one thing is assumption biases. Um, a second co- contributor to being overlooked is we talked about visibility before. So again, to the extent that woman's focusing on 
her own work, assuming that the results will speak for themselves, um, versus marketing herself, then she might be overlooked um, when it's time for the next position. Um, a third one I see quite a bit is that she might not have have considered other roles. And maybe she has faulty assumptions. Maybe the, the people that she sees in those roles now are people that are not like her or she doesn't want to be like. And so she hasn't considered something that she really could do well. Um, and she also just might not be willing to make the trade-offs that are required. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would also say, too, that, again, most of the organizations that we work with um, are making deliberate efforts to make sure that they don't overlook um, women and other diverse candidates. So they're doing things like um, when they're nominating people for high potential programs, they're saying make sure that you look at all the women and and diverse candidates that you have as you consider this. When they're um, looking to, to hire or promote someone into a significant role, they're saying we want to make sure we have a diverse slate that we consider as part of filling this role. So I see a lot of proactive behavior going on in organizations to try to counteract some of those overlooking or, or, or biased tendencies. Yeah, and I want to get to one of the actions in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break, Joy, and we come back. I do want to talk about mentors versus sponsors and the role that men play in women's ongoing professional growth. More when Purse Strings returns after a quick break. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. First Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. 
Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. I've been chatting today with Joy Hazuka, Senior VP of Leadership Research at PDI Ninth House, a global leadership solutions organization. And we've been talking today about women and communication and leadership opportunities, kind of that macro issue. And um, Joy, I'm curious what you think about mentors versus sponsors. Which do you feel is more important and why and what role do men play in either of those when it comes to developing women? Okay. Um, so I think there are probably lots of different definitions of sponsors and mentors. I guess I would, for me, a sponsor is kind of an official role. So um, organizations have, uh, for example, a talent review where they talk about specific people and who's ready for the next role. For me, that would be a sponsor, you know, if I were to sponsor someone to to go forward that that would make me their sponsor so it would be kind of an official thing um and whereas mentors can be they can be formally assigned as part of a formal mentor program but then a lot of mentors are informal um so um so i would say both are important so the sponsor's role is really to sponsor someone in the organization and to put their name forward as well consider this person for this experience or this project um, or this role, whereas mentors um, are people that you can learn things from. Um, I remember uh, a long time ago, maybe 20 years, I, I was doing some research on mentoring, and I asked my husband, who's your mentor? And he said, well, I think I have six of them. <laughs> um, and at, at the time, I thought, well, no, that's not allowed. You can only have one. <laughs> um, but um, but I think I, I think mentorship really is more like that, where there are different things that you can learn from different people, and um, and it's helpful to have women mentors because uh, you can learn from them more about the women's issues and how do you navigate this in the organization as a woman. But then it's also very helpful to have men as mentors as well because they have other perspectives that they can offer. Um, it's helpful to have mentors from different different functions and different parts of the organization so that you can, again, learn those different perspectives from them. So I kind of have a big lofty question as this final question. You know, we've, we've spent a lot of time today talking about the differences between men and women and what it kind of the skill set, if you will, that it will take for women to really begin to create opportunities for herself within organizations, but then how organizations also, though, have to do their part in creating opportunities and looking for women in diversity and and, and, in bigger roles. I'm curious, you know, because you deal with companies all day long that I'm sure are challenged by these kinds of issues. How do you think we tackle the questions of, diversity and inclusion and advancement for all people as as a society in general? And I know you probably don't have a simple answer to that, if you have an answer mm-hmm. at all, but I am just, I am curious mm-hmm. about your take on that. 
Yes, yep. Um, well, I think you know one of the key building blocks is educational opportunities, and they're there, and uh, women are taking very, a lot of advantage of them. In fact, there are you know more women graduating from college and and law school and other schools than than men these days. So, in that regard, um, you know we've women have caught up and and surpassed men. Um, in terms of inclusion of, of other groups, there's more work to be done there to help that to be a good environment where where they're successful as well. Um, so anyway, so, so education is a positive first step as far as women go. Um, in terms of societal issues, I guess one thing that comes to mind there is that that um, people have a lot of of judgments and and preconceptions about what women should do, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's there's almost any opportunity to feel guilty either about working or about not working. Mm-hmm. So you know, you hear people that feel guilty because they're working, people that feel guilty because they're not working because someone tells them that they should be doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel guilty about traveling too much. You can feel guilty about turning down promotions because you don't want to travel. You can feel guilty about wanting to get ahead. You can feel guilty about not, about not wanting to get ahead. So so I think that's um, something that's societal and also personal to each of us as women is to say, okay, I'm just going to make my own choice about the direction that I feel that I should go and not allow myself to feel guilty because someone else thinks I should be doing something else. But I think wow. that's something that hits I was going to say, that that's a journey. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, 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 the no guilt is a journey. I don't know. Right. I think that's probably one of our biggest challenges as women in the workplace, especially, is is that um, we're still required to be all things to all people, and there's a lot of guilt related right. to how well we're not, how well or how well we're not doing that. Right. Yeah, and that is, that's a shared responsibility. I think. <laughs> uh, with you. I'm with you on that one. And we've come a long way, that's for sure. The stats show we've come a long way with shared responsibility. And mm-hmm. there are other countries that do it better than we do, so we can take some cues from them as well. And I know you look at things globally, not just in the United States, so I'm sure right. you're more aware of those examples than I am. But unfortunately, Joy, we've run out of time, but I, I am so appreciative of you coming on and sharing your insights, especially around your recent study. And I would like to direct people to your website, pdinh.com. Is that the best place for them to go to learn more? Yes, it is. Yep. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. And thank you to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me right here for another edition of Purse Rings next Eastern. Until then, make it a great one. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.